Well, good morning. Good morning to all of you here in the modern worship service at our fellowship hall. Good morning to those of you over in the worship center there in our contemporary service. My name is Paul Jimenez. It is great to be with you this morning as we continue in the gospel of Luke. Go ahead and turn there. Luke chapter 12 this morning is where we'll be. And we continue in our series called The Kingdom Way, where we're looking at how Jesus looked at life but through the kingdom lens. And uh, we're going to continue in our talk, in our discussion, and in our look at what Jesus has to say about money and things, wrap up really this portion of our series. uh, And really the Kingdom Way series next week is the weekend where our students take over Taylor's First Baptist Church. And so next Sunday will be unique as uh, our student ministry, really one of the biggest weekends of the year. And um, in that light, we need leaders, okay? So here's what we need. We need five guys. We need three girls. And we need you to give your lives beginning Friday afternoon all the way to Sunday. And when I say give your lives, I really mean give your lives because you're going to be doing a lot of fun things. You're going to be up late with these kids, but you're going to be shepherding them and walking with them every step of the way. And there's small groups. We'll get you all squared away as far as what do I do? But if you're sensing this pull in either room or you're watching online this morning, uh, since this pull to go ahead and jump in with the weekend, we need your help. All right. And so we are seeing a great, great response over the last couple of weeks. And so we need those leaders. So if you'll come uh, and over in the uh, Welcome Center there, find me or find Dustin. We'll be over there and we can get you going in the right direction on that end. Let, let me say this. Um, I prayed this morning for uh, our church and our pastoral prayer time. And, it, and I think we need to do it again today. It, it really honestly has been a, a hard couple of days for our church family. And... Um, I think you guys know pretty much uh, about most of what has happened, but we, we have seen just some really tough losses in the family of faith here at Taylor's. We, um, yesterday, we, uh, I went by Mary Dan Baldwin's home. Mary Dan is married to Don. Don is, uh, he was 87, uh, but a longtime organist, longtime contributor to the worship ministry here at Taylor's, just a faithful faithful soul to leading people in worship. And so a lot of our folks um, uh, are familiar with him. And then Sam Littlejohn, Sam was 73, tennis player, uh, in shape, ate well, uh, walked out the door, said goodbye to his wife, have to run some errands. And the next call Ann got was, your husband's dead. And so we'll have that funeral service on Thursday, Lord willing. And then buried uh, yesterday with Matt and Jennifer Giles, their little baby. You know Jennifer, she sings right here on this stage and sings so beautifully and wonderfully to the Lord. And we committed their daughter to the Lord after she was born 37 weeks and did not live. And so that service was yesterday. and That was uh, a tough, tough day for that family. So we continue to pray for them and we love them. And, uh, and then last night, uh, little Miles Harrison. You guys have been praying for Miles. You've been praying for Kristen. You've been praying for Jason. And uh, Miles was received uh, into heaven last night, and he is with the Lord. And so we pray for these families. We 
ask God's peace just to uh, come washing over them. And we, uh, let's do that right now. Let's pray for them and, and ask the Lord really, really just to walk with our family of faith. But listen, listen, we, we grieve and we mourn, but we do so with hope, with the hope of the gospel, with the hope that Jesus has, as I said yesterday at the graveside, he has gone to the cross and has been forsaken and has been alone and has suffered alone for your sin and my sin, but also to suffer so that we would never have to be alone. And I shared this with the families yesterday, and I share that with you. There is great hope in the gospel. There's great hope in heaven. And we look, we look to heaven now. We look for that hope. And so will you pray with me now that the Lord would strengthen all of us and strengthen, strengthen these families. Lord, we love you, and uh, we pray for Matt and Jennifer. Pray for Jason and Kristen. I pray for Ann and the kids. I pray for Mary Dan and uh, the two sons and the one daughter for Susan. Lord, I, I ask that you would just bring about an incredible peace that only you can give by your spirit. You say in your word that we are to trust you at all times. We're to pour out our hearts before you for you are our refuge. And so I pray, Lord, that you will be their refuge and their fortress, that they will not be greatly shaken that their souls would be, would be strong, that their souls would rest in your arms and in your hands. And I pray for healing and I pray for hope. And Lord, we look ahead, we look to heaven and we ask that you would take great joy in those that you have called to yourself, but that you would look down and bring great hope and peace to those who are left behind. And so Lord, hear our prayer on behalf of your people, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for praying with me. You know, there's this uh, series that my wife and I started watching. We finished the series. I think it was only 10 programs long. It was called The Crown. It's the story. It was on Netflix. It's the story of Queen Elizabeth. When at the age of 25, she ascended to the throne after her father, George, died from cancer. And so, in this series, which is mostly factual, you know how these TV series are, you can't be entirely sure on that, right? But mostly factual, and in the series, when she finds out that she has ascended to the throne, she is away on a trip with Prince Philip, and they're traveling. And so the, the, um, the story puts her back on the plane, and uh, she flies back to London, and they meet her on the plane, and they get a change of clothes for her. She walks off. She goes through London, and she goes to the palace, and she looks at her father who's laying there on the bed, and it is then that she realizes the weight, the transfer of authority to her. And you hear in the background the words of Winston Churchill, who um, was prime minister at that time, and he was writing a speech talking about the incredible transfer of authority, the loyalty of the, of the British subjects, of the United Kingdom subjects to the crown, even though there's a new queen. And so he's writing this incredible, powerful speech, and the music starts to build, and the scenes start to build, and, and Churchill comes to that last phrase, and he nails it, and he just simply says, and long live, what, the queen, right? 
It's this powerful phrase that, that gives authority to the, to the queen. And, and I looked it up, and actually this is not borrowed from uh, British kings and queens in the past. It's from the French. And in the 1400s, the, uh, there was this fear that when a king would be buried, someone would come and try and usurp the throne, try and step in, and so that the rightful heir would not take his place. And so when they buried this king back in the 1400s, they put him in the vault. One of the authorities stood up and said, the king is dead. And then immediately once the vault shut or once he was in the ground, they said the phrase, long live the king. And you and I both know that Jesus is alive and he is well. He has come and we say, long live the king. But here's the reality for all of us this morning, and it's found in Luke chapter 12. I invite you to turn there. We started it last week, that Jesus, when it comes to his reign and his rule and reign in our hearts, he wants to see his kingdom break out in our lives. That's what this whole series has been about. The kingdom of God that looks a little bit differently than the the normal way, the culture's way, the American way, the church way. It's the kingdom way. When it comes to money and possessions and things, Jesus is very, very clear with what he says about the kingdom. And it's this, that we can say all that we want and we can sing all that we want. Long live the king. But Jesus says, I'll know not by your declaration, but by your demonstration, by how you use one of the most valuable, tangible things that I can test you with, with your money, with your possession, and with your things. You'll demonstrate my kingdom authority by the way you're generous with what you have. And so last week, we started walking through this. Luke chapter 12, we saw Jesus, he's uh, teaching, and they come to him, and he tells a story about a rich man who tears down small barns. He had this great uh, crop, and he said, I'm going to tear down the small barns and build larger barns. And so Jesus says, do not be covetous, or do not be greedy, do not be discontent. He warns us, and he says, listen, your life doesn't consist of the barns or of the harvest or like this this farmer who built up these barns and he said now I will rest and I'll eat and I'll drink and I'll be merry and I'll retire and everything is good so this man because of his discontent here's what we saw last week that our greed blinds us to the captivity of money and possessions our greed, our discontent, our desires blind us to how we can be captive to these things. So this man was captive to comfort, and he was captive to retirement. He was captive to being content, and he was captive to his self-sufficiency. And this is how we respond now with our money and things. We're self-sufficient. We're self-indulgent. Jesus warns us, and he says, don't be that way. But then there's a second warning, and he says, don't worry. Some of you worry over whether you have enough or whether you uh, don't have what you need or you don't have the right things. And Jesus lays out for, uh, for us in the sex, second session, again, reminding us that greed can capture us, can blind us, 
and hold us captive to our money, possessions, and things, that Jesus says when that happens and all you can see is what you eat and what you drink and what you wear and what you listen to and your phone and all of your home and all of those things, Jesus is saying when you worry and you're anxious, not only about the needs of life, but all these other things, He's saying you are getting in the way of seeing the kingdom of God advance through you. Two warnings. Don't be greedy, discontent. Don't worry and be anxious. And here is where Jesus is driving us. That the kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of our money and possessions and things that we live in. In our kingdom, here is what we see. We see ourselves as the owner. We see ourselves as the one who has earned our money, so therefore we have the right to do with our money what we please. We have the right to fulfill our desires, and we have the right to do it today. The kingdom says this, that God is the owner of our money, that we're simply the stewards, and that God lends us the money for our needs, for the needs of others, and for eternity. And so here's what happens. We spend our lives searching, worrying, discontent, energized by the wrong type of path, the culture's path. Max Cato says this, I love this, in one of his devotionals on seeking the kingdom. He says, seek first the kingdom of wealth and you'll worry over every dollar. Seek first the kingdom of health and you'll sweat every blemish and every bump. Seek first the kingdom of popularity and you'll relive every conflict. Seek first the kingdom of safety, and you'll jump at every crack of a twig. And so what are you searching for this morning? What are you searching for with your money and possessions and your things? Like the farmer, you're searching for identity, retirement, contentment, yourself. Or like the kingdom, there's another way. This is what Jesus, to, Jesus says to us in beginning in verse 29. Look at it there in Luke chapter 12 this morning. And here, three times we see the word seek in verses 29 through 31. Listen to what Jesus says. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. So here's what Jesus says. Don't worry. Don't be discontent. Instead, pivot and seek the kingdom. Seek eternity. Seek what you can do with your money, your possessions, and your things for the souls of men and for the word of God and for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as Jesus says later on, for those things that are in heaven. And Jesus is very, very clear here about seeking the kingdom. And instead, we get trapped. We get caught in this, in this sense of we would rather seek ourselves. We would rather not be submissive to the authority of the king, but we would rather follow our own path. We would rather follow our own way. And when Jesus awakens us to this new priority, it can be a shock to us. It can be a shock to us. But look at what he says here. Let's keep going. Verse 32. Read with me of Luke chapter 12. Fear not little flock, for it is your father's 
good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide for yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Okay, so if our greed last week blinds us to the captivity of money and possessions, secondly, listen, God's grace now frees us to seek the kingdom. God's grace is seen in the Father's care as we ended up the passage last week. The Father cares for you. You have great value. Why worry if he cares for the ravens? If he cares for the wildflowers, he's going he's to care for you. Why are you so anxious? Why are you so upset? Why are you spinning and why are you energized by providing for yourself when your Father knows what you have need of? So be free because he cares for you. Don't live in worry. Don't live in anxiety. Live in freedom. You're liberated because of his care but you're also liberated because of his grace. Paul told the church, in 2 Corinthians, he comes to them and he says, listen, listen, I know you want to give. I know you want to give to to the needs of of some of the believers back in Jerusalem. And some of you are poverty stricken and you don't have anything to give. But here's the example I want to give to you. And he says, I want you to look at Jesus and I want you to see the Father. Did the Father hold anything back in giving Jesus to you? In your sin, in your separation from him, did the Father reserve and just kind of hide a little bit? Did he kind of hoard some of his wish? No. He said this, that God has blessed you. God has poured out to you this incredible wealth of spiritual blessings. So, in response to him, not because you you have to give, not because you're guilty about giving, not because you see the commercial on TV and the music is really soft and there's a tear in your eyes, so therefore I got to give. No, here's what Paul says about giving to the local church. Because God's grace has been so overwhelming in your life and he has blessed you spiritually and you were alienated from God, separated from God. And because now you are joined together with the father, you are now his forever. He has blessed you. Therefore, you look at the father who owns all things and you say, because of your authority and because of your incredible grace to me that I don't deserve, I'll give to the kingdom. That's how you give. Not because you got to check a 10% box, right? Right? You give out of grace and because of the Father's care. Because Jesus says, look at it, verse 32 and 33 there. He says, little flock, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now be careful here. Be careful. This doesn't mean that if we give, we're going to be healthy and wealthy. A lot of people take this verse and they run with it. You, you give, so therefore the kingdom is yours. Claim the kingdom. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is simply that if you give generously because you are free, because the Father loves you, and because grace has been poured out to you, and you give because of that, you are now free, and God will bring about the kingdom through you. You will have the joy of seeing the kingdom break out in your heart and in your home. Now, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that means for you. We know God will care for your needs. He just got done telling them that. But that can look different for everybody. 
But nevertheless, this is the true joy that Jesus talked about in John chapter 15 of the kingdom, the, the fruit coming through him and through us. So he says, sell your possessions, next verse, and give to the needy. Here's just one of two things we're going to look at this morning. Number one, pursue sacrifice for the needs of others. Pursue sacrifice for the needs of others. Sell what you have. Sell your possessions. Give them away. If God has given you all things and you're free, you're you're like Zacchaeus. You remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, he was a a crook. He was a thief. He had all this money. He was wealthy. And when he met the grace of God and and he understood what it meant, he's like, not only am I going to pay it back, I'm going to sacrificially give more than I'm supposed to back. I'm just going to return it. And when we come into contact with God's grace and with the Father's care, we pursue sacrifice for the needs of others. We suddenly become attached to our money. We suddenly hold loosely our our things and our possessions. We we suddenly are open-handed, and suddenly we're looking for people. Do you know people like that? They're just looking for people to help. They're just longing for, for ways that I can serve, that I can give, that I can be generous. The grace of God has come into them, and so they are giving generously. But here's the problem, and Jesus already addressed it last week with us. We're so attached to our things, and we lose sight of the fact that these things won't last. These things are temporary. And instead of holding on to them and using them for ourselves, we can then use these things for the kingdom. This point hit home with one simple picture yesterday. I was at a stoplight right across from Woodlawn Cemetery. Here comes this homeless guy. I mean, he, he was dressed in these really shabby clothes, and he had this, uh, these tr- trash bags. You, you've seen the picture, and there's not really, uh, you don't know what's inside, but it can't be very clean. It's all tattered, and he, they were in a shopping cart. And instead of pushing the shopping cart, Here's what he did. He took a luggage strap, or some sort of strap, and he strapped it to the shopping cart. And he's just dragging his possessions and his things with him. And I thought, is that a picture of me? <laughs> is that a picture of my, my things, my money, my life? That, that those things ultimately, if... I just stay attached to them and I drag them around with me all over my life, what good is that going to do for the kingdom? We see this in the book of Acts when Luke, the same author, writes about that community that first church, 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus and instantly they're meeting in homes and they're studying the word of God and the taking the Lord's Supper together, eating together, and praying together. And then he has this line, and they were selling their possessions to give as anyone had need. What an incredible mark of generosity. It happens here. It's really cool to see it. It's cool to see it when life groups, when Bible study groups, when all sorts of little communities here and there care for one another. But Jesus isn't saying... I think this is an important part. Jesus isn't saying, if you have excess, give. It's not what he's saying. What he is saying is, sell what you have. In other words, these farmers that were looking at Jesus, these shepherds, these tradesmen, these craftsmen, these carpenters, these builders, 
weren't wealthy. Jesus looks at him and he says, here's the kingdom way. If you trust me, if you trust me, you'll be unattached. You'll, you'll give. But then he says this. Keep reading. He says, so provide yourselves with money bags. Not only sell for the needs of others, but provide for yourself money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no, no thief approaches And no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, Jesus says, there your heart will be also. Here's the second thought this morning. This is how we seek the kingdom. We pursue investment in things that last and matter. We pursue investment in things that last and matter. You know, most Americans, most Americans do not invest in the future. But most Americans really don't give a whole lot of money either. And when we talk about investment, we talk about investing in things that last and matter. We're not talking about your retirement account. We're not talking about a nest egg. Jesus here is telling them that your money bags, hey, you, you, some of you, he looks at him and he says, some of you go put your, your money in, in these bags and they just get old and they, they wear out and they got holes in them and some of you have, have your, your treasure stored up in metal and, 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 and things like that. And, and the metal, because of the, of the weather and because of the heat, and, the, and, and they're going to rust, they're going to fail, they're not going to be any good. And Jesus looks at these guys and he says, listen, listen, I, I want you to find a way to take what you have and I want you to find a way to invest it in something that's going to last and it's going to matter. I want you to find a way to, to, to take what you have and, and, yes, meet the needs of your family. Yes, meet the needs of other people. But I want you to find a way to, to give to things that are eternal. And someone once said that there are only two things that are eternal. The souls of men and women and the word of God. Those are the only two things that are going to last. And Jesus is saying, look, I, I want you to think about your money. I want you to put it in a place in, in heaven, in the storehouses of heaven. No one can get in there. No, no thief can go in. No, nobody can, can break in there. Like, like this morning, the house behind us, uh, the alarm goes off at 4.30 and Shree and our light, who's, who is that? Who's, who's breaking into our home? Nobody's breaking in at 4.30 in the morning in heaven. Nothing's gonna be corrupted. No metals, no, none of that is, is, is gonna go to waste. Whatever you put towards heaven will last and it will matter. So what, what are you going to choose, Jesus is saying? He's saying, listen, I'm trying to give you everything I can. There's care from the Father, so you're going to be okay. There's grace from Christ who's given you everything. Okay, now that you're free, give generously. All right, and not only give generously, but give to things that matter and things that last for my kingdom. For the people I came to die for. And we as believers, we as Christians, here's the truth. We don't give Christians a whole lot of money (laughs) to the church. We only give 2.5% of our income away. That's not to the church in general. 40% of so-called Christians don't give anything at all to the church or to nonprofits or to anybody. They just keep it. And I read this article after reading these statistics, and it said, it said this, more people in your church want to give than are currently giving. 
And some people are looking for a reason to give to your church. And some churches make giving unnecessarily complicated and inconvenient. So I'm, set, I'm looking at Jesus and he's saying, be generous with what you give. And, and then I'm looking at the statistics of what people give in general. I'm looking at what it says about the, the church. And I begin thinking, been thinking about tailors and about what we do and how we give. And are we a generous people? And many of you are a generous people. But I want to walk through a couple of trends with you so that you can, so the rubber can hit the road here. So we just don't talk in generalities about giving. You walk out, nothing's different, nothing's changed. Because I want to appeal to you this morning, I want to appeal to you to give generously to the body of Christ. To give generously to his work here. Let me, let me just walk you through this this morning. Trend number one, we give when issued a challenge for our need. I love that about you guys. Last year, at the end of the year, there's a 12 for 12 challenge where we said for 12 weeks, would you give just $12 extra? And man, many of you took that challenge on. We had an incredible December. Our staff had been cutting back all the way since the summer. And our goal was to finish in the black, not in the red, to receive more than we, than we spent. That was our goal. And so we hit that goal because of your help to the tune. You ready for this? We were shocked because of the size of the, uh, of the giving in December and because of your sacrifice, we, we, we not only took more in, but to the tune of $155,000 more than we spent last year. Mission accomplished. Way to go. It's phenomenal. But here's the thing. We, we, we respond to, to the challenge, and, and, and I, I'm just going to be honest with you. For the past couple of years, here's what we do. <laughs> we issue a challenge at the end of the year, and we come to you and we say, we're in trouble. Because we're, we're not giving regularly. That, here's the point. We're not giving regularly. We, we, we wait to the end of the year, and I'm thankful for it. Don't hear me say I'm not. But if God has blessed you this week with an income, our response to him in worship is, thank you, Father, and we return back to you what you have provided, just a portion of it. We don't give it all back. You don't demand it all back. But as an act of worship to you, we say, we give it to you. For the kingdom of God to move forward, we, we give to your local church, to your leaders who labor in the word of God, to your le leaders who labor in worship, to your leaders who equip you, to your leaders who love you and shepherd you, to your leaders who train your students and love on your kids. Your ministers labor for, it says in the New Testament, your souls. And our church gives to the needy. And our church is passionate about the gospel getting out. And so this is why you need to give regularly. And not just kind of hit and miss, or maybe I will, or maybe I won't. Secondly, here's the second trend. Not everyone is participating in carrying the load. Not everyone is participating. Now, four years ago, we did a survey, and we said, how many people are, are giving in? in uh, we, we don't know how much you make, so we don't know what percentage you give. But we can tell how many units are giving. So we took everyone 21 and older four years ago. And here's what we found out, that there was 43% of members that they come in, they're committed to tailors, and um, they didn't give a dime. Two years later, two years later, same thing. Um, now, it's, it grew a little bit by 
which is good. We're, we're tracking in the, in the right direction. We're going in the, in the right way. But here's, here's my heart. Listen, listen. I know for some of you, giving is a really difficult issue because maybe you didn't grow up in a home where, where your, your mom or your dad displayed that to you or shared that with you or, or maybe you just don't really know what the scriptures talk about being generous with, with what we have for eternal things and you never walk through a course on that or maybe it's a matter of the heart or maybe it's a matter of sheer survival. Listen, some of you families are having babies. That's a very good thing and you're, you're just kind of trying to raise those kids and get moving through life and all you're trying to do is barely survive, let alone give to the church and I'm here to tell you this morning that this is is not an act, a financial transaction. This is a spiritual transaction. And if you will step out in faith, some of you for the very first time, and I'm going to issue a challenge. We're going to call it the 90-day challenge, another challenge to get us through the summer. Some of you will see God do amazing things through your faith. And I encourage every single one of you, you know what? Just take a step of faith. Just look at Look at Christ and say, I, I, I want to give to your kingdom, Jesus. Third trend, we fall behind in our budget for the year, so we make adjustments but rarely ever meet our budget. Um, this is something that I think is just good stewardship. If we say this is what we want to do, and then we get into the year, and because we're not giving faithfully or regularly to that goal, um, what we do is we cut back on our spending and we scramble and... Um, the goal suddenly becomes not meeting budget, but the goal suddenly becomes just taking in more money than we receive. And so this budget goal over here, um, I had the office take a look at it. 18 years, the past 18 years that we have records for, we've met budget three times. Three times. Now, we're okay because we finished in the black. But my heart's been challenged. Is that good stewardship? Is that, is that financially sound to say this is what we want to do, but we don't care if we really meet it or not? No, no, we want to meet our budget. We need $108,000 every week as of two weeks ago to meet that budget. Now, we've come down on our budget. We face challenges. January 1 was New Year's Day. That's one Sunday out of the month. January 8th, you remember January 8th? Snow day, we didn't meet. Last week, oh my goodness, you combine daylight savings time with a little bit of snow in the air, Oh, my goodness. No one's coming. No. Yeah, everyone took, you guys took the week off, some of you, all right? Because you weren't here. We were here, but you weren't. And, and so we, you see how we can fall behind so quickly? So we give regularly, faithfully. We give as an act of worship to the body so the body can function. Fourth, this is an interesting trend. Online giving is on the increase. Four years ago, we had an option where you can give online. In 2013, 6.5% of you gave online. The next year, 9.7% gave online. 12.5% the next year and 14.2% the next year. We're seeing more and more of you saying, you know what, this is easy, and it's incredibly easy. You go to our website, go to the top right-hand corner, click on it, look where you say give, and you can begin today. You can give a one-time contribution or you can give just regularly. Every week, you and your wife can pray through it. You and your, your, your husband, you if you're single, you, you if you're a student, you can just take an amount, put it in, and withdraw, we'll withdraw that out of your account. It's regular giving, and it's on the rise. It's on the move, and it's an incredible way that you can give. Here's the final thing this morning. 
is that people give to the mission of seeing lives transformed. That's what people give to. They don't give to a pastor. They don't give to a building. They don't give to an institution. Um, We're seeing more and more the traditions of giving, like you see in our older generations, fading away. As they fade away, so does that tradition. But people give to the mission of seeing people changed. And that's what we want to do here at Taylor's. So instead of me concluding with the challenge that you have there in your bulletin, for the next 90 days to give faithfully and regularly and sacrificially for some of you. Go home, put it on your refrigerator. Go home, put it on your Bible. Go home, put it on the kitchen table. Go home, put it on your computer where you walk through your online giving and say, how are we over the next 90 days as we enter into the summer so that we can catch up where we are? How can I give? I encourage you to do that. But here's how I want to end. I want to remind you of why we give here at Taylor's. I want to remind you of the people that you're impacting as you give eternally. You give to a once a month meeting of the Greenville Foster Parent Association who have come to us and they have said, would you simply host a meeting where parents can come in and be equipped and they can be trained? And I know our people encourage these parents. We turn the lights on, we turn the heat on, we turn the air on so that those parents can come and they can learn about what it means to foster needy children in Greenville. When you give to things that last and matter, you give to the body of Christ here, such as right in this room last week in the chairs that you're sitting in here in the modern service, the widows and the widowers, the sweet people who have lost their husbands and their wives, and they gather together once a year, and we feed them, and we love them, and we care for them. We give to the college ministry that right now is off in Clarkston, Clarkston, where they're ministering to Syrians and Iraqis and other refugees in a UN political asylum center in a city filled with people who do not know Jesus, and we equip them and we train them and we send them, and maybe they're all already back. We, we give so that we can have people like Mike and Julie Lee form a good neighbor team around a family, a refugee family that's come here to the United States. We give so that family to family and grief support groups for hurting moms and hurting dads and hurting husbands and hurting wives and lives and families that are messed up. We give so that those people can be impacted. We give to the Just for Today ladies. I sat at lunch with them a couple of weeks ago. Four homes across the street from our church, six ladies in each home, addicted, addicted to to drugs, addicted to alcohol. They desperately need the grace of Jesus Christ to come into their lives. And so our people go and they minister to them and they love them and we welcome them. And listen, if you are here today, I know you've been attending you just for day, ladies. We love you. We want you here. We welcome you here at Taylor's First Baptist Church. Because we care about the souls of men and when we care about the souls of students, next week those students just isn't a, a fun activity for a bunch of kids for them to get to get absolutely crazy on 
on caffeine for the whole weekend and they sleep for the next eight days after that. This just isn't a fun activity. This is for kids and their hearts and their souls to be transformed. And some of those kids who don't know Christ to be introduced to Christ, we give to things that last and matter like students at the weekend. We give sacrificially so that you can go. 50% of your scholarship. You know what? We had to cancel teams this year. Broke our hearts. But we give so that you can go. 50% of your scholarship to the ends of the earth. Wherever it is you want to go. And we give for these things because we value. We value sacrificing our time. And we value sacrificing our possessions. We value sacrificing our facility, and we value sacrificing our lives. We give generously because we want to connect people to God. That's why we exist. And so this morning, I simply appeal to you, not out of duty or out of legalism, but I appeal to you because of the grace of God that has come to you, church, and a heart for the grace of God to reach many, many people. And I, I've just named just a few things over the last couple of weeks. That's not even to mention what happens every single Sunday in this room and in that room and in those rooms all throughout this campus and all throughout the week. I appeal to you by the grace of God because this is a spiritual issue and we'll live We'll live if we don't make the budget. We'll live if we don't make our goals. We won't die. One writer said, perhaps the greatest spiritual roadblock to someone thriving in their relationship with Christ in America today is what they do with their money and things. So I appeal to you, again, listen to the heart of Jesus for things that last and matter. Will you give? Will you give generously? Will you give your life to him? Let's pray about that right now. Lord, we humbly come before you and challenge over your people. And most of all, Father, I pray that you would work in the hearts of your people. And Lord, if there are guests here, I know what they might be thinking. Wow, what a Sunday. Father, may they hear the heart of Jesus for the kingdom. And may they hear the heart pastor for the kingdom to advance through this body in even greater ways than it has already. And Lord, I pray that we would simply not say, long live the king. That we wouldn't just simply sing about the king, but we would demonstrate that the king has come and we're free. We're free to give.
free to be generous, free to give up not just our money and our resources, but our lives, the things that, and people that last and matter. So Lord, hear our prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.